Well, good morning, church. How we doing? Good. I'm Pastor Scott Weatherford, so we're glad you're here today. Some of you guys are here for the first time, and uh, you know, we just want you to relax. You can be comfortable. Take your shoes off if you want to, but ask your permission from your neighbor, okay? So we're going to have a good, that was supposed to be funny, you guys, like this, that, that. So we're going to really have a good time today as we continue the series we've been on about First Life. Who we are as a church, what are we doing here, why are we here? You heard Wyatt say earlier, we exist to build lives that honor God. That's right. And how we do that, a life that honors God is a life that's connected to God through Jesus Christ and to the church family, a life that's growing to be like Christ. Uh, so you have the mind of Christ, you can think like Jesus, speak like Jesus, understand like Jesus, a life that is serving God by serving others, and a life that's contagiously sharing and showing the love of God in word and deed. That's why we exist. That's a life that honors God. In this first life series, we've been teaching for the last six weeks. Can you believe how quick that's been? Like Time just flies by. We were uh, looking at the preaching schedule, the teaching schedule. We've already got next year's planned out. It's the year of hope. We're excited about that. In fact, next, uh, not next week, but the next week starts a series called Wimberly Strong. And uh, it's just kind of a title. Some people say, well, I don't live in Wimberly. Just relax, okay? It's about all of us being strong in the Lord, okay? And I'm actually writing a devotional for you guys for that. Five days a week, a thought and scripture so uh, I, I hope you enjoy that because I've been working on it. I got three of the four weeks done. Pray for next week that I'll get it finished. But that's really going to be fun. So this, this six weeks, first week we talked about how God loves you, that Jesus loves you. He doesn't love some future form of you. He loves you right now. He, doesn't, he can't love you any more than he loves you already because he loves you completely. The next week we talked about uh, what does it mean to worship? What is a life of worship? Worship is more than singing songs or attending a gathering. Worship is our life. Then we talked about being connected to the church family. And on that Sunday, 29 new people joined uh, First Baptist Church Wimberley that Sunday. That's kind of incredible. Yeah, and uh, now get this, y'all. In the last three months, over 100 people have joined this church in the last three months. Is that crazy or what? And that doesn't include the baptisms. There's been about 30 people baptized as well. So it's just kind of like God's, done, God's doing a cool thing. If you're here for the first time, God is showing up in the Wimberley Valley right now. So it's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, last, uh, then the next week we talked about becoming like Christ, growing to be like Christ uh, through spiritual disciplines. We talked about spiritual epigenetics. And you're like, what? You'll have to go online. It's online. You can listen to these talks. If you have trouble sleeping, go online, hear me preach, put you to sleep. It's awesome. Does that really well for some of y'all, even in the room. And, and then last week, we talked about how you're shaped to serve. Now, some of you do not remember that talk. All you remember is the puppets, right? And we had the little lion, beaver, otter, and golden retriever. And uh, we sent you online to do the assessment and I know some of you now know if you're a red or a green or a blue or a, a yellow, I'm a green. I'm an extrovert. I know that's hard to believe. My wife is a red. That means she's in charge. And she's in charge of an extrovert. So, uh, and so I'm often referred to as the monkey in our house. And she's learned to keep the tent zipped to keep the monkey out. So Anyway, that's kind of an inside thing. Probably creepy. Probably won't ever tell that again. 
But uh, that's, that's who Tara is. Now, Tara's not here today because she's down in Victoria. We have a disaster relief house there that we're hosting teams of churches from all of the United States. Your generosity has provided a launch place for churches all over the United States to come in and to build and rebuild and restore uh, sharing the love of Christ. Uh, there's a group now in. I know it's a big yay God. I think that deserves a hand. Yeah. So there's about 10 churches other than us who've been actively involved in that. Um, so uh, we need to do a video because a church in Maine gave their whole week's offering to us so that we might build lives and rebuild lives through disaster relief effort. Can you believe that? They took their whole weekend giving and gave it to us and for disaster relief. So we'll, we'll do a video for them. Uh, so that's the, the great thing there. So I have been unsupervised all weekend. <laughs> so it, it's, it's been okay uh, for the most part. Just see so coming home tomorrow, so pray for me today, okay? There's, there's some stuff I got to do today. <laughs> Just saying. We'll get it done. Uh, next week, we are partying with a purpose. Now, some of y'all are confused about this. What is this party of the purpose? Okay. Anytime we say there's a party, there will be food. We will feed you. Uh, you can, if you'd like to bring a dish that goes with the hamburgers or hot dogs, you're welcome to do it. Guys, you need to get ready to be humiliated in a dessert contest because I will beat you all. So bring your dessert. All like, I know, Mark, you ain't going to cook nothing. H-E-B does not account as you bringing a dessert. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, Costco, maybe, but not H-E-B. But um, yeah. But anyway, that's, that's, that's next weekend. So plan to stay after climbing walls, bouncy houses, stuff for students, stuff for adults. Uh, we're going to baptize that afternoon. If you want to be baptized, you haven't been baptized, you want to be baptized, you can go online and register, or you could show up. If, you, if you're here and you showed up and you don't want to be baptized, don't get close to me at 2 o'clock. You will be baptized, all right? So that's, that's all next week. And that's the culmination of the First Life series, our 99 days of prayer, and just all the good things that God is doing in and for and through us at First Baptist Wimberley. Now today, we're going to be talking about the life commitment of sharing, sharing the love of God, sharing the love of Jesus. Now I'm going to tell you some inside stuff. I am a bit driven. No. Yeah, and it's been like that all my life. I, I mean, I remember as probably a seven or eight year, year old boy just really wanting to take over and run our school because it was so inefficient and I needed to take over. That teacher wouldn't do anything I would tell her to do. I, I, I just needed to, to be the boss. And then uh, I, I've kind of been, I know this is really, I'm a little bit self-promoting. <laughs> like I have a book out on Amazon. I'm a little bit self-promoting. My book proceeds go to my favorite charity, which is Tara. And um, <laughs> so I've always been that way. In fact, I, my undergrad is in voice performance. Went to Florida State, got a degree in voice performance to sing opera. My plan was to graduate from Florida State, move to New York, and become the next Pavarotti. Uh, Tara, uh, we were dating at the time. And of course, we got married. Tara has a degree in fashion merchandising. So when she shops, it's dangerous She's professional. 
I'm not going to say any more about that because she will go online and listen to this. She was going to go with me to New York and work in the fashion industry. We had it all set up. I was going to be a famous opera star. She was going to be a fashionista. And the only thing that got in the way was my talent. That kind of ended all of that. And, you know, God was niggling at me to be a pastor. So I started to be pastor and was a music pastor for a while. Started the first church in Victoria, Texas. A little bitty, grew to really big. And then I remember as a young pastor thinking, man, if I could just speak at this event, I would be like, have made it. I would be famous. I'd be a famous preacher. I want to tell you something, y'all. Fame is not good for a preacher's soul. Did you know that? Uh, TV ministries, all that stuff, it's not good for a preacher's soul. Uh, because we get our eyes off of Jesus and get our eyes on our stuff. Now, I'm not saying that about all of them. I'm just saying that about me, okay? Uh, so maybe why God has me in Wimberley, I don't know. He said, hey, nobody going to see you there. Just go over there. Take you right there. The diamond in the heart of the hill country. Keep you right there. But the thing is, I remember I got to speak at one of those events, and it was just, it was worthless. It was a bunch of preachers. Never preach to preachers. They don't listen. They're not going to make any commitments. They ain't going to give no money. It's just a waste of time. And so I'd rather preach to y'all. And one of the cool things about the, la the adventure Tara and I have been on the last two years as I was doing this international consulting ministry, that coming back to you, I needed you. I needed a church family. I'm a pastor, and I needed you. And y'all are stuck with me. So it, it works out. Kind of like me and Tara. I need Tara, and she's stuck with me. So it's kind of the way it works. But I'm a, I'm a bit driven. But what I've discovered is that when I die, nobody's going to know who I even lived. Maybe one generation, maybe perhaps two, but when I go, I go. Next week, we're celebrating our 133rd anniversary as a church, but lots of pastors come and go, but the church remains. Those pastors, really, they serve their purpose of their time, but I would doubt that we could probably collectively name no more than maybe four pastors in the recent past. Uh, there's a, a lady in the first service. She's an older lady. She's going to talk to you, wants to have lunch with Tara and I to tell us about what the church was like during World War II. So that's going to be an interesting lunch conversation. She's in her 90s, and she's going to kind of give us the backstory. But the thing is, Nobody's going to know I even lived. But will they know Jesus because I lived? Can my life have an eternal significance even though I'll be in anonymity? I was watching the Longhorns play yesterday, Hook'em Horns. I know, whoop, Giga Baggies, whatever. Raider Raiders, River Bats, everything else like that. Frogs and... Bears, okay, sorry. Lions, probably. Tigers. Oh my, yes, thank you over there. Uh, I was watching Texas yesterday, and you know, they said, the University of Texas, what starts here changes the world. And this sounds like a James Bond movie, but the world's not enough. What starts here changes eternity. So go ahead and take your digging deeper, take, your, uh, take the weekend with you notes. They're in your bulletin. Take that out, and I want you to write that down. What starts here changes eternity. And sharing the love of God means that we have an opportunity 
to share our hope, to share what Christ has done for us, to really literally help people change the trajectory of their lives, to see their lives find eternal significance in eternal place. But it's not just about the temporary here and now. Uh, it's about the, the extended eternity. But you know, heaven starts here. In this world, you'll have trouble. But Jesus says, I've overcome the world. And what he's saying to us is that he wants to give us a life that's worth living now, a life of purpose. And, and we can share our faith and share the love of Christ and share our hope. Now, some people call this life commitment evangelism. And when I say the word evangelism, some of you automatically think about the TV preacher with the white shoes on and says, you need Jesus, <laughs> right? And, and that's really not what that's about. Or you automatically think of a scripture passage, you think about the great commandment. You'll go into the world to preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, uh, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I'm with you always to the end of the earth. But here at this church, we believe this. In fact, we said it so a couple of weeks ago when we changed our structure. We said a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. So we built who we are and what we feel like God wants us to be around those two compelling commandments and commission, the great commandment, the great commission. Now, let me just refresh those with you. And they're gonna be up on the screen. I wanna read them to you. Jesus replied, because he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And so Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. So what Jesus said basically, he's gonna boil down all of the relationship with God into two concepts, love God and love people. Love God and love people. Now this is what I've discovered. It's easier to love God than it is to love people. Because people bring problems, right? If you're a parent of a teenager, people bring problems, right? Everybody got silent. Now, the second thing is the Great Commission. Jesus came and he told his disciples, and I backed up just a little bit because I wanted you to get all of this. I started, usually you start in verse 19. I started in verse 18. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, how much is all? It's all. So Jesus says, I have been given all authority by the Father, because the Father and the Son are one. Spirit, Father, Son, and Spirit are one. I've been given all authority. Now, this way he's saying, now I'm giving my authority to you. That would be like me reaching in my wallet, pulling out my credit card. But not pull out that one. It don't matter. And I said, here, take my credit card and you now have my authority to spend the $5.77 in my account. You have my authority. Well, Jesus says, I'm giving you my authority. And when Jesus gives you authority, that's all the authority of heaven and earth. It's not the limited authority of me or the limited authority of us. It's the unlimited authority of God. I've given you my authority. He says, therefore. Now, when you see the word therefore in the Bible, you need to stop and see what it's there for. Because you've been given the authority, now what it's for is to go and make disciples of all nations. Now, often in the church, 
We think of evangelism as being the event of people trusting Christ and discipleship being the event or the process of people becoming like Christ. But you know what's not true? Discipleship is both the event and the process. People being born again by recognizing their need and responding in faith to Christ and then intentionally being invited into a community of faith so that we together can become like Jesus. A Christian without a church family is a spiritual orphan. God wants you connected. Go and make disciples of all nations. Now, this idiomatic phrase, all nations, literally means this, all people groups. All people groups. Not just like there's, I think, 192 or 96 nations, something like that, 190-something. But there's so many people groups within the nations. Uh, there's people groups within, inside of Texas. <coughs> Do you know that there's a people group living in Texas that have never heard the gospel? It's the Kikapoo Indians that live over in Eagle Pass. They've heard of casinos, but they've never heard of Christ. Well, you say, well, surely they've heard of Christ, but the ways we say that, there's no Bible in their language, there's no church for them, and there's no recognized believers in that group. There's only 3,000 people groups left in the world that that is their identification. Now, Jesus won't come back until all nations hear the gospel. So I say, let's get it done. Let's make sure all 3,000 of these people, because I don't know about you, but I'd love for Jesus to come back. I mean, right after I finish this message, he can come back until that time. Just hang on. Some of y'all saying, please, Jesus, come right now, right, right now. Baptizing uh, people of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So our life commitments, we build lives that honor God, honor, connect, grow, serve, and share are found in these two passages. Right there. So our purpose is found in these passages. It's also found in Acts chapter two, verse 42 through 47. It's found in Ephesians chapter four. It's found in John 17. It's found in Colossians 3. It's found in Isaiah 61. I mean, we are, we have Baptists in our name, but we're Biblicist. The Bible is our authority. As soon as you say, well, I don't know about going to a Baptist church. Relax. Baptist was a name that was hung on us as a defamatory name. It was those baptizers. It was given to us as a mocking name. And so we're really known as people of the book, people of the Bible. The Bible is our authority. So we talk about this commitment of sharing. We go straight to the Great Commission. But I think I want to show you this morning how living out the Great Commandment really fulfills the Great Commission. When I really love God and I really love people, then I can't tell, help telling people about the Lord and about how good he can be, and how about how he wants your life to be. Because when I really love God and love people, okay, get this, friends don't let friends go to hell. And I think hell's unacceptable. Would you guys agree with that? And so friends don't let friends go to hell. So this morning, I wanna take you on an adventure in this passage of scripture and show you how God wants us to commit ourselves to him and to one another and to literally be the hope of the world. Because I am driven. 
I'm driven to make Jesus famous because he's really all that matters. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for what you want to say to us this morning. And I pray that you will um, just help me and you'll say the things that need to be said and lead us in the direction we need to be led and that you will be famous through all this, all this time together. It's not about me, it's about you. It's not about us, it's about you. So please just direct us in the pathway you would have us to go. And I thank you that you are good. And I pray all of this in your strong name. Amen. Amen. So we're ready to take some notes. Let's jump into it. Okay, here's the first thought. I live to love God. Now, could you say that you live to love God? Some of you say, well, I live to root for college football. <laughs> okay, just go tie your emotional well-being on the backs of 18 to 22-year-old guys. See how that's going to work for you. I mean, regardless if they play football or not, just tie your emotions to an 18 to 22-year-old man. Bad idea, okay? Bad idea. Girls just saying, bad idea. Okay. All right, so tie your emotions. Well, I live to eat barbecue. <laughs> That's got a short shelf life. Ask any cardiologist, they'll tell you. A life lived for barbecues got a short life. Or I live to find the latest sales at San Marcos Outlet Mall. Well, that's dangerous. That'll lead to decisions that you commit that you can't keep. Or I live for my children. Or I live for my job. Or I live for horses. Or I live for whatever. But see, all those things are hollow. I live and we must learn to live to, to love God. God created you. This is really kind of cool. God created you to love you. So I created you. Well, he was putting you together in your mother's womb. He said to the angels, I do this one before I founded the world. And I can't wait to love them. I can't wait to love them. I'm gonna step into their lives. I'm gonna show them my love. I'm gonna show them my mercy. I'm gonna show them my grace. I'm gonna put people in their lives that are gonna influence them and they're gonna love them. And while you were growing inside your mother's womb, God was saying, man, I just love you. I was, I'm putting you together. In fact, in Psalm 139, it says this, that he's knit us together in our our, our mother's womb, he, we are wonderfully and fearfully made. And in Hebrew, it literally means God goes, ooh, look what I'm doing. That's literally what it means in Hebrew. Ooh, look what I'm doing. And that's just creepy, isn't it? But that's the way God loves you. And he's like so excited about you and, he, and you were made. In fact, the Bible calls the church a family or a flock of sheep or the body. Does it call us an organization or a institution or a movement or a gathering or a building cause us a family cause God made you to love you and you were made to love God back. Your life will never find the fulfillment that you were to have until you love God. He made you to love you. Now listen to this, especially if you're a single person, I want you to really listen to this. Okay. Love is a decision based on commitment. It's not a feeling or emotion, even though it brings strong feelings and emotions. It's a decision based on commitment. I have a um, little two-month-old grandbaby. Her name's Lily. And she is just awesome. She sleeps and she cries and she eats and she poops. That's all she does. But I love that little girl. The other night, we were eating dinner at Rudy's, and, which is awesome. And, and I had Lily in my arms and I was looking at her and she smiled at me. Now, I don't know if it was gas, but I'm gonna say it was a smile. Just entertain Papa here for a second. I just said, I love you. 
I love you. When I found out your mama had you in her, in her body, I loved you then. I love you now. Lily, I'm going to love you all your life. I'm just going to lavish love on you. I'm going to spoil you rotten. I'm having this conversation with Lily, and my daughter's going, yes, we know, Papa. You will spoil her rotten. And then Ivy, listening to me talking to Lily, she goes, Papa! And she comes and gets in my lap because she wants in on the love too. And she says, Papa, can I get some ice cream? Of course you can. <laughs> and so we went and, and we found the nectar from the Lord Jesus Christ called Bluebell. And we got her some ice cream. And she sat in my lap and, and she was having a hard time. She said, Papa, help me. So I was feeding her ice cream and holy lily, you know, I love these kids. It's a decision based on commitment. You know, I love Tara like that. I decided to love her. I remember where I was and, 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 and what was going on in my life when I decided I was going to love her. And I decided, now I decided to love her long before she decided to love me. Now, this is the truth. I would tell her we were dating and I was kind of insecure. Guys, you ever been that way? Don't raise your hand. Yeah, okay, what's he one? And I, you know, I wanted to tell her I loved her, but I was like afraid. I didn't want to say it first. Okay, guys, which is a bad idea. You should really go public with it, but don't do it on the first date. Like, I think we're going to get married. That's creepy. Just don't do that, okay? <laughs> Woo. But I remember where I was, and this is what I said to her. I said, Tara, baby, do you love me yet? And that's what I said to her. Do you love me yet? Because I know you are. And she, this is what she said. No, I don't love you yet. <laughs> she did that like for four months. And I'm dying because I'm like, ah! The only person I'd ever loved before her was me. <laughs> and, you know, and then finally, I remember one night she said, yeah, I, I, I love you. I love you. And so it didn't take me long to ask her to marry me because I said, don't close this deal for to change your mind. <laughs> now, if that love for her was based on feelings, do you think I might have lost that love and feeling? Gone, gone, gone. Thank you, thank you very much. All right, y'all a little slow. That's good. And so it's that, it's that decision that holds us. And throughout these years, we've been married 36 years, that, that, that decision to love has held us. Okay, God loves you. He's decided to love you, who you decide to love him back. And through all the twists and corridors of life, through all the hardships of life, through all the disappointments of life, through all the trials of life, the love of God will sustain you and hold you. He will never let you go. Even when you shake your fist and say, I don't love you anymore. He said, I love you. Suck it up, buttercup. You ain't getting away from my love. And so he loves us. And the decision to love is based on commitment. And God displayed his commitment for us while we were sinners. Christ died, it says in Romans 5, 8. That God said, I will show you I love you. And he died for us. That we might be made right through his death. That blows me away. Christ's love is displayed for us. And then... We display our love back to him. How do we do that? By giving him our lives. That's what God wants from you. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your time. He doesn't want your songs. He wants your life. He wants all of it. So how do I do that? 
And Jesus said it perfectly because he delineated it. He said, it's how you love God. First of all, you love God with your heart, with your heart. And your heart is the center of your emotions. It's that, it's that center of your emotions. You, you, your heart, your love. You, do, you say, do you say to people, I love you. You say, I love you from the bottom of my heart, right? It's that center. You shouldn't say, I love you from the heart of my bottom. But that, that would be different. But I, I love you. It's kind of funny or creepy. What a way. But I, I love you from the center of my emotions. I love you from the bottom of my heart. And you love God from your soul. And that's the center, get this, of your life's direction. That my soul, this body, is going to wear out. In fact, it's wearing out. You know, my get up and go has got up and went. What I learned this. When I turned 30, everything started to hurt. When I turned 40, everything started to break. And when I turned 50, I couldn't remember what it was for. Just kind of, and I don't know what 60 is going to hold. Probably a slip of the shower and a broken hip. You know, something. I don't know. And what's 70, 80 going to hold? I don't know. But I do know this. My soul is going to last forever. And so I want to love him with the direction of my life, and that's the loving with my soul, that I'm going to live for him now so I can live for him in the next. Live for him now so I can live with him for the next. So I want to love him with my soul, the direction of my life. But I'm also going to love him with my mind. And that's the center of my intellect. That God doesn't say, love me and check your mind at the door. And that's what secularists will want to say to you. Like scientists will say, well, you, know, you can't really believe in science and love God. And that's not true. There's a movement today, especially in the world of philosophy and physics, for scientists and educators and scholars to shift their view are saying, you know what? There really is a God. Duh. Now, there's some other scientific disciplines that are still resisting, like the biologist. But now they're starting to realize this is too complicated for it to be random. And they're starting to shift. So I will love God from the center of my mind, the center of my intellect. But then Mark, he added this to the great, com- the great commandment. In Mark 12, 31, he says, love God with all your strength. And you know what I found? That's to keep his commandments. That's to live for him. It's to live in the strength of the Lord. That I, I live physically, I love it with my heart, my emotions, I love it with my mind, my soul, that's my life direction. I love it with my mind, that's yielding my intellect to him. And I love it with my strength, that's, that's putting my hands to work. Now think about this, okay? We honor God, we exist to build lives that honor God, and we love God by connecting. And that's my heart. We love God by, by growing. That's my mind. We love God by serving. That's, that's my strength. And we love God by sharing. That's my soul direction. That's my soul. So even our commitment is found in the commandment. And that's all intentional. Why do I love God? Because he first loved me. He first loved me. I asked Tara the other day, I said, why do you love me? She says, because you first loved me. You first loved me. Look at this passage, 1 John 4.10. This is real love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take, us, take away our sins. That he first loved me. Why do I love him? Well, first of all, he saved me. I love this account. 
Gospels. The disciples are hanging out with Jesus. Jesus is doing cool things. Turns water into wine. Uh, good stuff, too. Not the cheap stuff. What no ripple. It was good stuff. And then he, he turns, uh, he, he heals blind men and, and heals uh, people that are sick and deaf. And he heals all, the, he heals all these people. He raises a couple people from the dead. And the disciples still don't worship him. They're like, oh, this is cool. He feeds 5,000. Oh, this is cool. But they still don't worship him. Why? Because it wasn't personal. He sends them into a boat to the Sea of Galilee. They're paddling out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. A storm comes. They think they're going to drown. Jesus comes walking on the water, calms the sea, gets in the boat. And then the Bible says for the first time they worshiped him. You see, they had just watched Jesus and learned about Jesus, but you don't have to worship Jesus till he saves you. It gets personal when he saves you. And that's what he did. So I love him because he saved me. Here's a newsflash. He's still saving me. He's still saving me. I will tell y'all a secret. I don't want y'all to share it, okay? Tara and I, we have a contract on our house in New Braunfels. We're going to move to Wimberley. We have no idea where. Now, some of y'all are going, oh, I got a house for you. Hold on, stop it. You know why? Because Jesus is going to save us. We're not going to live in a box on the side of the road. I had somebody come up to me and said, we, we'll let you stay at our house. I said, are you sure you want to do that? You might want Tara to stay in your house, but you probably keep the tent zipped and the monkey out. You might not want me in your house. But we know that God's going to save us. He's got the right place for us at the right time for us, at the right price for us. I tell you what, Wimberley Real Estate, they're smoking crack, Jack. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> what? He's going to save me. You know what just shocked me? About 3,000 people are going to hear that on the internet this week. Awesome. Love you guys. I'm not recommending you smoke crack. Okay. Because then, I'll see if I can salvage this talk. Because I love God, then I can love you. I can love people. I can love you. I can love you because I'm loved. I'm greatly loved so I can love you. I have nothing to lose. Because God loves me, I have nothing to lose. I love you. And the most loving thing I could do is introduce you to Jesus. It's the most loving thing I can do. I promise you, if you bring your friends to First Baptist Wimberley on a, on a weekend, I'm going to introduce them to Jesus. I will probably give them a cookie and a cup of coffee and say, you can eat it and drink it right here while I talk. My favorite line, preacher's long-winded. You might want to get two cookies. You know, and I'm going to introduce him to Jesus. I'm going to introduce my friends. And I'm going to share my hope. I, I want to be contagious. Don't you? Because friends don't let friends go to hell. Well, who is your neighbor? Well, let me tell you about, uh, let me tell you who your neighbor is. There's a Greek word. In fact, there's a yogurt by the same name. Oikos. Y'all seen it? Oikos yogurt. And it's a Greek word. It means Household. Or it means your circle of influence, it goes out. 
you share the love of God, you share your hope with your family and your friends and your acquaintances, and it, it circles out. So what does that mean here in Wimberley? Well, I want to share it with my, with my family. We'll share it with my friends. I'm going to share the love of God at the local Czechoslovakian restaurant. Did y'all know we had a Czechoslovakian restaurant here in Wimberley? It's called Quick Check. It's right down the road. It's a... Come on, that was funny. That was... Have some Czech food today. You ought to check it out. Okay, anyway. I'm choking off all these other puns in my head. I'm going through a checklist of them in my mind. Okay. But that means that wherever I am, I'm going to be influential. I'm going to, I'm going to share the love of God. I'm going to do it in word, and I'm going to do it in deed. That's what disaster relief is all about, y'all, is that we're sharing the love of God with people that are really hurting. And they know we're there because we love Jesus and we love them. And we're telling them, we're telling them we love them and we love Jesus. We're sharing our hope. And you guys have played a vital part of that. In fact, you need to quit giving to disaster relief because we're going to have a hard time paying our bills around here. And I'll talk more about that in just a bit. I'm not going to pressure you, so just hang on, okay? Um, How do I love them? How do I love my neighbor? This is how I do it. First of all, I have to be available. Have to be available. Why? 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 Tara and I selling our house in New Braunfels. It's not that far away. It's thirty-five miles. Why are we doing that and moving to Wimberley? So we can be available. So we can lose money on a real estate deal. No. <laughs> so we can live in the poorhouse. No. We're. We want to be available. We want to shop where you shop and, and be where you are. We want to be able to go to the football games. We want, to, we want to be in your life. We want you to be able to come to our house, you know, within reason. Not all of you at the same time. Just a few of you that we'll select randomly. But just, we want, we want you to feel, we want to be a part. We want to be available. So you have to be available. Availability says love. Um, we must be intentional. I want to build relationships with people. Do you know you have to earn the right relationally to share the love of Jesus verbally? Because if you try to share the love of Jesus without a relationship, you might as well be selling toothbrushes. And we don't sell Jesus. Give him away. And it's not about learning some sales technique. It's about really loving people. I gotta be ready. Peter said, be ready to share your hope. When time comes, be ready to share your hope. Um, yesterday, the people that are buying our house, they came to my house yesterday and I got to meet them. My real estate agent or their real estate agent was freaking out. I called my agent and said, hey, um, I'm sure that these guys want to come back and look at the house. I'd love to meet them. And the other real estate agent was going, oh, we don't do that. Oh, we never let the sellers meet the buyers once. And, and my real estate agent said, relax, he's a preacher. It ain't about real estate. It's about relationship. And I wanted to have the chance to to build a relationship with them so I could tell them about Jesus. And we did. Because we have to be intentional, to be ready. We have to be inclusive to welcome all people. No matter what you've done or where where you've gone or what you've become, you're welcome with us. No matter what you're your race is, or your beliefs is, or your 
whatever other kind of label people lay on you, it doesn't matter. We love you. We're here for you. Our church in Canada had 48 different people groups in our church. I was translated in four different languages every weekend. And we just said, we're available. We love you. And our life was rich by the ethnic diversity. Y'all, Wimberley ain't very ethnic diverse. Do y'all know that? It just ain't. But could we be a church with such an open heart that no matter where you've gone or what you've done, you're welcome to come here and find Christ? It's okay. We're having ministries for the broken because you matter. You matter. That we meet needs. And the meeting of need is both social and theological. We're going to feed the ones that are hungry, clothe the ones that are naked, and share the hope of Christ with all of them. We're going to do it to the least of these, my brothers, because we're doing it unto Christ. We're going to be that church. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud to be your pastor. My buddies who are around the nation said, man, you, you're, you're pastor a little bit tiny church and a little bit tiny nowhere. I said, no. It's right where God wants us to be. And there ain't nothing little when God's up to it. And you know, the, the, the church is not judged by its seeding capacity. It's judged by its sending capacity. We need to do the good that need do, needs doing and share the love that needs sharing. So what does that have to do with the gospel, making Jesus famous? Everything. Romans 1, 16, it says 27, but it's actually 16. For I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. So if I love God, then I have to love what he loves, and he loves people. And if I love people, I gotta tell them about Jesus. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let's continue to love one another. For love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You see, I have to be personally responsible to share the love of God, and we as a church have to be personally, church-wide responsible for sharing the love of God. We're in the process of building strategic relationships with partners around the world in order that we might have a relational connection with them, not just a monetary connection, but a relational connection. We have a strategy to do that. We want to reach people, we want to provide resources, and we want to do everything through a relationship. We're looking at five different countries of the world where we want to have a church-to-church relationship. Not a church-to-an-NGO relationship, but a church-to-a-church. Now, there's lots of non-government organizations, parachurch organizations that are doing good things in the world. But listen, look at me, look at me. The church is to be the tip of the spear, not the parachurch. The parachurch God raises up to support the local church, not vice versa. And we've got it confused. My buddy, Lee, came from Alabama to shoot a deer. He was here this weekend, and I went down with him. I didn't shoot a deer. He shot this fabulous deer. I didn't shoot a deer. But what I got was red bugs, chiggers. Y'all know what that is? <laughs> and so I am, I am purging the urge to itch right now, to scratch. And them little suckers, what I found out about, about chiggers, they, they bite you and leave. Aren't you glad? Because I thought if you scratch them hard enough, them little rascals run out from under your skin and leave you alone. Not true. 
And so those little blood suckers, y'all, sometimes parachurch organizations are parasite organizations on the body of Christ. We are the hope of the world. And what I love is that in disaster relief, it's First Baptist doing it with other churches, not some organization out there that we're saying, hey, you do this, we're just going to give you some cash. We're doing it. Carpenters, helpers, our church out there on mission, doing the good that needs doing. We are doing it together. Carpenters Church is a ministry inside of our church. We're doing that together. The church is to be the hope of the world. Don't you want to be relationally connected to a church in Cuba? A church in Nigeria? A church in Malawi? I got a, a note from a Malawi pastor. Pastor Scott, we want, when are you coming back? Church in Nigeria, actually the church, the big church in Nigeria said, Pastor Scott, when are you going to come and train? And here's the deal, y'all. When I go, you go with me. You go with me. The only ministry I have is being your pastor. And we're in it together. So if I'm speaking at some place or doing some place, you're with me and I'm with you. I'm your pastor. And we go together. And we could do this together for the Lord. And we want to have this strategy. Um, there's a little church in Dimpensar, Bali, who needs us. They need us. What do you say? You want to go to Bali? I hear a few I'm in, yeah. It's a long way, y'all. Hope you like rice. But whatever God opens the door for opportunity, we say yes to him. Now, some of you, God has placed a passion in your heart about a place in the world already. And we and I want to help you realize that passion so we could talk. And we could build a plan. We could build a team. We could, we, could, we could help you. So let's be practical here. Allow God to use you relationally. Build relationships. People come to Jesus best on the arm of a trusted friend. Invite them to come to the gatherings. We're talking now about adding a third service. We're talking about adding that third service on a Saturday night. That's crazy, y'all. Why? Because we believe that people come to Jesus best with the arm of a trusted friend. And some people will come on a Saturday night that would never ever come on a Sunday. You know, most churches, they have two ways to do things. Take it or leave it. We want to be a church that reaches people. Now, somebody said, well, I ain't going to go to church on Saturday night. Good, don't come. Take your, your lousy attitude and go on Sunday. <laughs> but somebody go, that, man, that fits my life. All right, let's go. We're just praying about it, talking about it. Fund the mission. Jump into the mission. Y'all, I'm very, very hesitant to give to anything other than the local church. And I give, I give to this church. I started giving to this church before I was a part of this church because I believe this church is the mission of God. This church is the mission of God. And see, when you give to this church, you're giving to missions. Some of you say, well, how much does your church give to missions? All of it. 
all of it. Now we have a percentage that goes out from us, but we, all, of our, all of our giving is to missions. Everything we give is to missions. Engage beyond your comfort. God will never use you in your comfort zone, but he will comfort you when you decide to live in his zone. I've heard people say, oh, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. Liar, liar, pants on fire. God is not safe. Ask Peter, who's crucified upside down. Ask Paul, who was beheaded. Ask John, who was boiled in oil and then cast on the island of Patmos. It ain't safe, but it's worth it. Share your story. It's powerful. People need to hear it. People need to know how you came to Christ and what Christ has done for you. People need to hear in the middle of your grief, you found a great comforter. People need to know that in the middle of your adversity, you found a great advocate. People need to know that you have a savior who is great at saving. Share your story. You see, because one day I will die and nobody will remember me. But will they remember Jesus because I decided to live to make him famous? What starts here changes eternity.